0: CCM in 3D. I'm Dan. I'm Dave. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, wait a second. Wait weird. a minute. I, I'm Dave. That was Derek. Oh, wow. Okay. I got all confused.
1: I was, no, I was going to see if I could like, lead you astray there. <laughs> Good try.
0: <laughs> and we are the 3Ds. And yes. if you're new, welcome. Thanks for joining us on the podcast about classic contemporary Christian music. We're focusing those years from 1985 to 1995. I'm just a fan of the era, along with my two friends here. We thought it'd just be fun to do a podcast, reminisce over some great artists and songs and albums. And today, producers, we are, yeah, and producers even. Yes. What? Yes. <laughs> so today we thought we'd uh, focus a little bit on Brown Bannister, and we're calling this kind of the Brown Sound, but with a focus on on Kim Hill's first three albums, because he did produced all three of her first albums. Right. Um, and when we talk about brown sound, again, we're talking about brown banister, not the color brown. Right. Making a sound. Um, and my question is, Derek, I, mean, I don't know if you answer is, what is a producer? If we're going to talk to people about that, what is that?
1: Wow. Okay. The short answer, <laughs> as I understand it, is he is basically the person responsible for everything getting done as much as possible under budget, um, getting all the musicians scheduled, putting all the right musicians on the right places, um, getting the best performances out of the musicians and the singers, and just kind of overseeing the general project. Um, that would be different from the engineer who is out in the studio moving microphones around, playing with mixes, making sure that everything goes onto tape. And in the best way possible, so you have a producer that kind of oversees personnel, and then you have the the engineer who kind of oversees sound. Is that clear as mud? The clear clear mud. as brown mud. Clear Got as it. brown banister mud. Somebody <laughs>
0: explained. Somebody explained to me one time that it it's like kind of the director of a movie. Yeah, yeah.
1: nice. In, I like in, a, that. in a little yeah. bit of
0: that capacity, I guess. I agree. His take and his feel on it. Um, yeah. So, and. Again, Brown Bannister. You know this uh, is his real name, Brown Bannister. It's the next question, and apparently it is. Yes. But it's Elliot Brown Bannister, right. the third. Right. Yeah. Um. And he, I'm sure maybe some people aren't familiar with him, but but you've definitely come across him because he's got 25 Dove Awards, 14 Grammy Awards. He's in the Gospel Music Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um. And he has. Got his fingers in lots of different artists that you've probably heard. Right. Debbie Boone, Debbie Boone, Amy Grant, Petra, Stephen Curtis Chapman, all the way up to Third Day. I mean, he's just everywhere. Um, and he's from Topeka, Kansas.
1: Yes, I was wondering if you're going to yep. mention that. Yep, he sure is. Yeah. That's great. Uh, and yeah, I, th- and I, th- that- I think as we talked, we, we, we kind of felt like, there were so many of our favorite albums that so many. for whatever reason were produced by brown and so we all thought you know what we've got to have kind of a recurring podcast sub episode of the brown sound where we talk about what did he bring to the table with this album that made it so great in particular these three albums by by kim hill and, and seemed- i found
0: out i'm sorry i found out when i was uh, looking at this that his daughter ellie Yep. He's married to Drew Holcomb mm-hmm. of Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. Yep. Um, so that that's pretty neat. I I know one of their songs, "Family." Yep. It's featured in a Tyson commercial. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> so
1: yeah.
2: And he also recorded a solo album. He's got one album. It's called "Talk to One Another." Came out in 1981, and guess what, gentlemen? I have a copy of that album. You wow. do not? I no, I you don't. Do. Really? It was my brother's, and somehow it stayed in my collection. And I don't know how I have it, but it's actually a really good album. I'm surprised he didn't do it more because it's well, obviously well done because he did it. But he, he was a good
1: singer, you know. That's great. I, yeah. I I've looked several times for that on Spotify and never seen it. So I'm sure it's on YouTube. I could go there and probably yeah. catch it. Right. Um, but yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Do you happen to know any of the players that played on the album or any? No, I didn't grab it. So oh, okay, that's fine. We'll we'll consider it Thanks. on the next go-around with the Brown Sound. On the next Brown Sound.
0: Yes. Yep. Yeah, you'll pick it so up. So Derek, um, what you were saying earlier too is so I found that I would go shopping for new music at the local Christian bookstore, which was the Better Book room at the yes. time, right? Yep. And browse CDs, cassettes, and things like that. And over time, I learned that if it had produced by Brown Bannister on it, I absolutely took the chance on it. Yes. I would yeah. take the chance on it with my buy four get one free ticket. Yes. <laughs> you remember <laughs> yes. those little things? Oh yes. yes. Of course. I sure but no, I, I would I definitely felt more and more like, yeah, I, I think this is gonna be good. I think it's something I'm really enjoy. Um I mean Brown can even make a trombone solo fit. In a song,
1: we're going to find out later. We're going to talk about that. That's right. And <laughs> That's I think right. I think you just hit on one of the things that immediately, when we realized all three of us as friends had this in common, that became kind of the one of the ideas for this. Okay, you. I had no idea there were two other people that bought albums based on producers, you know, and we all did yeah. that. So it's yep. kind of like, okay, we got to get this podcast up and going and talk because. To have three friends that are that geeky about producers <laughs> and buying albums, right. it's just it's crying out for a podcast. And, and it, for
0: me, the confession is how, how far I went with that was I was never really, a, it's just me, not a Twilight Paris fan. But when he did Twilight Parris' album, I actually bought it. Yep. Wow. Yep. <laughs> just because he did it. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Well,
2: there are so many artists, too, that when they wanted to make the album that they wanted to be remembered for, they went to Brown. You know, yep. like, you know, Whiteheart did that with Freedom. I remember that years later when uh, when I can't think of Mercy Me's album off the top of my head, but they actually said in an interview, we wanted to make our freedom. So we went to Brown Bannister. So artists oh, actually wow. seek him out, you know, to, to get that album made.
1: That's fascinating. That's a great story. There's a there's an interview out on YouTube. I think if you just search for Mark Gershmel Brown Bannister. He talks about it's like a three and a half minute interview, so it's very short. But he talks about what Brand, what Brown brings to the studio, and it's very fascinating to hear Gersh talk about here's what Brown means to a band trying to get an album together. So it's very, very interesting. And huh. you know, so they've wow. obviously made several albums together, so Gersh would know what yeah. all about Brown. And before we jump into Kim we should definitely mention Brown's nickname with his musician buddies.
0: What's that? Okay. So
1: uh, there's a podcast interview out there with Ellie Holcomb. Um, I think it might be Andrew Ocinga's The Pivot podcast. And Ellie Holcomb, who is Brown's daughter says that all of his musician buddies call him beige handrail.
2: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Brown banister. Beige handrail. So nice. this we could easily that's call this, the beige handrail sound or something. That yeah, that's too much. It, yeah, that's a that's <laughs> a little much. That's a great it's a great nickname nonetheless. It is. So <laughs> anyway,
0: well, it's interesting. Like I said, all of his Grammy awards. I was looking back. So his first one was in 1980 with Debbie Boone, and then two wow. years later. Then another year, 1983, 1984, 1985. Goodness. Three, three years ago is 1988. And then he goes another f- uh, four years, 1992, 1994. I mean, almost like every four or five years, he's getting a Grammy
1: Award. Okay, those are Grammys, not Doves. That's, that's great. Yeah, Award. Grammy. Mm, yeah. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That are, is. they for, are they for CCM albums, or is it... Um, yep. Really? All CCM. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Wow, that's really Even with C.C. Winans.
0: Oh, really? He got a that... Grammy Award with C.C. Winans, even. That's great. That's great. Yeah. All right. Well, where are we so starting we got, here with Kim? Well, so we got Brown over there, and then we got Kim over here on this side, right? Yep. So Kim Hill, uh, very unique baritone voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those who are maybe new to classic contemporary Christian music, you know, if you Google Kim Hill, you're going to get Kimberly Elise Hill, formerly of the Black Eyed Peas. So you oh, can't. That's, true. that's not it. Yeah. You gotta search Kim Hill CCM yep. and you're gonna you're gonna find her. Yeah. And she's won Dove Awards. She was she has been Grammy nominated. Um she was nominated for female vocals of the year four years in a row. Is that right? And and I think all female vocalists have lost to Sandy Patty.
1: In <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Dove Awards. Yeah. I don't think there's a single yeah. one.
0: Yeah, that just but, happens. Uh, yeah. Uh you know, personally, she has several number one songs that You know, a bunch of slower, more inspirational things. I'm more of a fan of the stuff that didn't get much airplay, which tended to be a lot more upbeat and unique. Agreed. And I was talking, actually, my I was driving around with my daughter the other day, going to dinner, and she was like, knew I was doing this podcast, and she was like, "Oh, Kim Hill. Well, tell me about her." And so I started telling her, and I said, "Well, let me play her some of her music." And so the I thought, "Oh, yeah, sure, I'll play that for her." And I played Kim Hill's "Talk About Life." Song, the first one. And then on reflection, I'm like, probably not the greatest song to introduce her to Kim Hill. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very fun, very different, but really kind of odd Mm -hmm. to start with somebody on Kim Hill. So I I really should have started, I really should have started with something like Round and Round. Yeah, Yeah, which is way better, more my speed. But uh, I was about halfway into it looking over at her with her glazed eyes. (laughs) (laughs) I did not start this well. (laughs) She's
1: flatlining. Get her some rest around. More shredding.
0: She's losing things. More shredding. (laughs) More shredding, yes. So, yeah, it's uh, going to be fun to walk through this with. So her first album, of course, is self-titled in 1988. Um, Again, one of these... Interesting album you're not going to find on Spotify. No. Um, but compared to other albums that she comes out with later, I think this is pretty low key. Yeah. Um, and starts off with black shirts. So we learned something about Kim. She likes wearing black shirts, as the mm-hmm. lyric says. Yeah. Although she didn't like it enough to wear it on the album cover. No, she did. Because um, <laughs> you got a white shirt on. Yeah. But uh, I like that song. I, I don't know how much you want to jump around here, but I like um, uh, Change Your Heart. Yeah. Those are some of my favorites, but it also was full of radio hits. I mean, Refuge took off, Faithful, yep. Psalm 1, yeah. um, all those. And then she's also, Brown brings in, or I don't know if Brown brought her in or how, how they met, but Wayne Kirkpatrick. Yes. Again, is on this album. Yeah. <laughs> so one of our favorites. Yep. Uh, Mark Brigadello. Mike Brigadello. Yep. Thinking. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, with the bass, mm-hmm. one of my favorites. Margaret Becker does some background tracking.
1: Yeah. Vocals
0: on on that.
1: Um so and I, I liner, thought I heard highlights. I thought I heard yeah. Wayne sing mm-hmm. background on this yeah. too mm-hmm. as I listen. So um Refuge is where I think I heard him singing in the chorus of Refuge. Uh Wayne Winker Patrick singing background. So yeah, I this this I think my favorites on this one are definitely uh Refuge which is a nice, that's a nice pop song. It, it's a, yes. it's very well written. This is, that that might be the standout of, of the album. Uh, yeah. Psalm one. I love any, any time a, a CCM artist will put uh, a passage of scripture to music, especially a full Psalm, not just like little snippets of a Psalm, but the whole Psalm I'm in, you got me. So I love Psalm One. That was so good, and um, I think those were the two, my two favorites on this were Refuge and and Psalm One. Um, what about you,
2: Dave? You know, um, I I put on here that I thought that Crossroads, Refuge, Faithful, Change Your Heart all have that signature Kim Hill sound. That kind of almost borders on '90s late '80s country. You know. Yeah. Which you- tend to think of. Uh, all those are great songs. While researching this, I came across an interview she did um, on the Sheila Walsh show. I didn't know Sheila Walsh had a show back in the 80s, but apparently oh, okay. she did. Yep. So anyway, Kim talked about that before she even signed uh, with Reunion, her and Brown spent about nine months discussing and working on what sound they wanted to go for before she they even signed her. So, you know, it just shows you back then all the work that went into developing artists. And, you know, obviously Brown is known for doing his homework and getting to know the artists. And I just found that interesting. That way, when they jump in and they start recording, he, you know, he's got some ideas. She's got some ideas. They kind of are on the same page. But, um, yeah, you can definitely tell that this is still an 80s album um, with some of the production. And as we'll go on, we'll obviously see her uh, change her sound a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Refuge to me is definitely the standout. Um, I also like the lyrics up there down here in Change Your Heart. Never going to know the answers if you're never going to listen. That really stuck out to me in that song. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, a really good debut album uh, back in
1: 1988. Yeah. The, the, the Do you guys remember, I think, we used to talk about this on, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember this. And if I'm remembering wrong, then please, please correct me. But I remember that, I think we used to have a, uh, a theory that if the artist is on the front of the album, smiling, that the the chances of it not being a very good album are high. Do you remember? Oh it? no. Did, did, was, <laughs> do you remember us saying that? So, I don't remember that. No. Kim is on you definitely the front have to look down smiling. and to the left. Yes. So, um, so the the other two albums she is not smiling, so higher chance of us liking the album if they're not smiling, so <laughs> that's awesome yeah i you know it's interesting that that she mentioned that she and Brown spent so much time trying to hone in on her sound because that's the one thing that to me, as I listened back in twenty twenty to this album. I still hear kind of an artist that's kind of searching for her sound. Yeah. I'm not sure she's quite got it yet. There's snatches of it here and there. There's snippets of it. The, definitely, Refuge is is just really good. That yeah. that could have gone on any of the albums and been a hit. Yeah. Um, but I, I still hear a, an artist that's a, a, kind of in progress, maybe a little bit. Yeah, so that's
0: what I hear the ones that i hear they're kind of uh pointing in her direction i think like crossroads sounds very kim hill to mm-hmm. me um change your heart again my what i like about her those <laughs> those kind of songs um i agree with dave it's like those sounded very kim hill and then just a little side note here so unspoken love and be still a know written by john thompson who also
1: wrote el shaddai oh baby grant yes yeah did not know yes. that yeah And I think what I, you know, from a Brown Bannister perspective, I think what I notice here is that a lot of his, and I think we'll talk about this as this Brown Sound recurring podcast evolves, is the ideas and quirky nuances that he brings to arrangements. And Mm -hmm. we'll definitely pick up more on that in the second album. But he kind of tends to zag when you think he's gonna zig and so that's I think what we will hear again and again especially with Kim's music because I, I I don't know if her music needs as much zigging and zagging as as he puts into the first two albums I think by the time we hit the third album they'll find the sweet spot on that But but I'm getting yeah. ahead of where we are so uh, that's, that's, I think, Brown's production is a little busy on this album. It's it's a little bit too noticeable. It's a little bit, there's a little bit too much of his stamp on it.
0: Hmm.
1: So that, that's well, and, kind of my thought on it.
0: And even with all that, she still ends up with number one yep. song, Faithful. Yep. Number one song, Psalm 1. Uh, Refuge went up, again, pretty high. Um, on the list. So it really got her started. It sure did. And then we get into, so this is 1989. Talk about life. So was that yeah. a year later? Yep. Yeah. Or, Crazy. Yeah. Um, I love this album too. Um, let's talk about life. Like I talked about earlier, super unique, completely not radio playable at all. Really. No. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, just so unique. I, I have fun with it. I like singing along to it. Very Kim Hill sounds to me, Inside of You, Stop, Watch, and Listen, I think are two great starts of the album. Secret Place became a radio hit in a big way. Snake in the Grass, also.
2: Oh, um, love it.
0: Great song. Um, Turning, I really like Turning. Such an interesting, unique song. Personally, yeah. I like songs like this that weren't really, again, Christian radio playable. Um, lots of great musicality, creativity here. Keyboard... Sound like an old harpsichord sound in that song, or yeah. something. Um, and then that's where we get that great trombone solo, yes. But it just fits, <laughs> yes. it just fits the trombone solo, fits yes. great in that song. Yeah, so I don't know who came up with that, but it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's and then testimony becomes a big radio hit. Oh, that's Thomas a great, that's a great song. One. So, yeah,
1: yeah did you guys notice who sang the background vocals on the very bizarre title track that let's talk about life
0: did
1: you no guys I, was, I was i was trying to figure it out yes so okay so um it's it's three people and let me put my reading spectacles on here so All right. i have my cd in front of me here so the background vocals on let's talk about life are slash and smash and introducing dash greenwood now i cannot uh confirm or deny who dash greenwood is i have no idea who that is right okay. <laughs> but after doing some digging slash is none other than brown banister <laughs> so yeah. uh, and then smash is wayne Kirkpatrick. so yeah. um uh, so wow. slash and smash are wayne and brown so that's that's who's uh, singing on uh, this this and the song was written by Patsy Moore and if you know any of Patsy's uh, later work, um, I think she had an album called Understanding the Human Condition or something like that. I, I think that's close to the title. Um, yeah, very kind of distinctive uh, regarding the human condition. That's the name of Patsy's album. Uh, very kind of unusual. Almost kind of a spoken word vocal here from Let's Talk About mm-hmm. Life. Yeah, and, and cow sound effects too. Yeah, and right. Cow sound effects. So <laughs> again very brown, I think, you know, kind of very zigzagging zagging when people expect him to zig. So yeah. well and he
0: brings he brings in my favorite, you know, brings in the whole cast of characters that I love. Tommy oh, Sims, yeah. Chris McHugh, Gordon yeah. Kennedy. You know Wayne's writing on this. Um, Love all Chris Harris. Love all these guys. Chris McHugh,
2: Jerry
1: McPherson. Yeah, it's great.
0: Yep. Yeah. Brought in a lot of heavy hitters
1: here. Can I point out one song on here that is probably my favorite, but for for very personal reasons, Um, we had quite a bit of music in my wedding ceremony um, to my wife, and one that she wanted was "Charm Is Deceitful" by uh, the last song on this album. Yeah. So that was at our wedding and oh. so that's that's um that's really nice and I was looking at um I was looking at the um Encyclopedia of CCM the one uh that is uh done by I can't remember the author's name Mark Allen Powell or something like that I can't remember exactly who who did the the Encyclopedia of CCM but he says about this song, um, On charm is deceitful, co-written with Wes King, he'll reflect insightfully on her reputed good looks. I know that when he sees me, it won't be beauty that he longs to hold. It will be the love that he finds inside my heart. Because charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Flesh is unfaithful and of no gain. So reflecting very much on Proverbs 31. And, and so I, I guess this was evidently kind of a, kind of a, her commentary on looks are are not everything that, uh, when she's wanting a husband that that's, that's, she wanted, uh, her future husband to see her heart for the Lord and not necessarily mm-hmm. any sort of good looks or, or, or beauty. So oh, that was nice. good. Nice. And my wife just loved the sign. So we ended up having it at our wedding. So it's, it's a personal, oh. definitely a personal one for me. So, yeah,
2: I think my favorite track. Um, I listened to it twice. In fact, was Snake in the Grass. I had on my headphones. It, uh, you could yeah. really hear all the sound textures with the guitar and the strings and the snake sound effects. And um, I now you guys probably know the answer. I'm not sure because I haven't seen the credits on it. But I'm almost positive that Wanker Patrick sings the beginning of the song. It's West King. It's West King. West King. Okay. yep. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is uh, West King. That threw me for a loop. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not, that can't be Kim Hiltz. It's my no. high pitch of a voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a highlight. And then, I, of course, you guys, like me, are big Tommy Sims fans. I think his bass on Stop, Watch, and Listen is just fantastic.
1: Yes. Makes me want to yeah. play the air
2: bass as I listen.
1: The air
0: bass. Perfect. That's it. Yep. Well, speaking of Tommy Sims, Derek, you have a Tommy Sims CCM playlist on I do. Spotify. Yes, I if do. anybody wants to hear some great <laughs> music from Tommy,
1: I'll put a link to that in the show notes for this this show that you can go out and listen to the I just kind of spent a weekend geeking out over on discogs.com and every looking at everything that Tommy played on for CCM and everything that was on Spotify. I just threw it uh, threw it in on that. 18 playlist.
2: hours. Yeah. 18 hours of listening pleasure. Okay, 253 <laughs>
1: songs. Wow. <laughs> the one disappointment is that anything from the next album is not on there.
0: I know. So mm. th- is oh. that
1: a good enough segue? Yeah, is it's is. a
0: good segue. Uh. Yes. So then, yeah, then we get to number three, which is my favorite of all of hers. Oh, I yeah. think that's true of a lot of people. Mm. Yeah. Um, just fantastic Uh, 1991. So that comes out two years later. Yep. This one was Grammy nominated goes to number 11 on the CCM albums chart. Again, not on Spotify, like we just said, but so much good music here.
1: Uh, I just
0: can't put it in my own CCM playlist. I know. I can't put it in
1: um, my Tommy playlist.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And again, Brown just uses Tommy McHugh, Kennedy, Winker Patrick, um, Gets a number one song out of satisfied and mysterious ways. But yes. again, my favorite we're rocking out to round and round. Oh, great song. Not, yeah. My favorite song of Kim Hill's of all time. Yeah. Uh, stop my heart. Love that song. Great guitar solo there. Those fair light strings mm-hmm. do a great job in that song. Uh, didn't realize it was a six minute song and listened to that song. I'm like, this is really six minutes. Yeah. Um, kind of got lost in that song. I like that. Um, don't face the world alone. That one contains the title of the album. Yep. So I always find that interesting. Yeah. Um, I will rate great kind of truth bomb song there. I will wait on the Lord, whether good or bad, going with or without, sure or laced with doubt. Um, just some,
1: just the best album I think she's done. Oh, here. for for sure, and I, I yeah. think by a long by a long way. Um, she has said in the encyclopedia of CCM, there's a quote in there where it says, and I'm finding it uh, on Braveheart. Hill rocks out more than ever before, tearing things up on round and round and emulating the Beatles on words and up in the sky. Um, Braveheart is widely regarded as Hill's best album and the strong influence of her backing band, including Phil Madeira. And former Whiteheart members Gordon Kennedy, Chris McHugh, and Tommy Sims should be noted. Hill has joked that Braveheart was essentially a Whiteheart album with her serving as the group's lead singer. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> That's all. It's awesome.
0: Kim Hill and Whiteheart. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> much. Yes.
1: Except that it would have never have done for her to join uh, Whiteheart because there's only one way to spell her first name, unlike Rick Florian, who has about 17 different names to spell Rick. So, yeah, it's true.
2: Well, <laughs> you know, she could have gone with a C instead of a K or two. Yeah, K I M M. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Two
1: M's. Kimmy. They could K-Y- have Kimmy. K- yeah, K Y. Yeah, we could play
0: the we could play the Rick Florian game. Here. Yeah, the yeah. Rick K Y M. Right. Yeah. C H Y H M. It's
2: the,
1: possible? Yes. In the uh, CCM presents the 100 greatest albums in Christian music. Um, this album does not make the 100. Wow. Which we would want to throw spitballs at that. But oh, yeah. she does make one of the honorable mention lists. Laura Harris puts it on her honorable mention list. And she says, The pinnacle of Hill's stint as one of Christian music's premier folk rock chicks. This disc left large footprints that many girls with guitars subsequently followed in. So oh. yeah, I'm not sure who she had in mind about the girls with guitars that followed in her wake but this th- this album really is i think one of the one of the it would easily make my top 100 for sure that's yeah. it would it would have to be in there um yeah i don't think there's a i don't think there's a bad song on the on the album and and i think the strength here is that kim hill as an artist and brown as the producer of that artist Finally, we're in sync. Just mm-hmm. everything worked on this album. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Even when you know the the quirkiness of the production is coming out, like in words, where you've got I talk box and trombone, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it works. It still works, and it's mm-hmm. it just is so
0: good. And yeah, if I were, if I were going to replay a song for my daughter to reintroduce her to Kim Hill, it'd probably be Words. Rounded round. Yeah. You know, Satisfied
2: uh, is so good. good. Satisfied
1: fantastic.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. When we talk about Brown and his producing, you could definitely go back and, you know, the debut album, they're just kind of discovering what she's going to be. And and you can still hear some of that 80s production. And then you, you see a big leap of maturity to talk about life. With uh she really starts to develop her sound and center in on you know her sweet spot and then by the time they get to braveheart uh, she's definitely in the sweet spot and like you guys said there really isn't a bad track I also want to point out on the credits a, a legend in CCM of TCM, uh, was on this album that would be mr. Bob Farrell of Ferrell and Ferrell. Bob Farrell yes wow. Wow. part of this album so shout out to Bob Farrell
1: where where does Bob Farrell end up on this where is he at? you
0: know I just he was among the players. Oh. In my life is, is uh, words oh, by Bob Farrell. in my yes, life. So yes, of go.
2: course. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bob but, Farrell, uh, that's great. Yeah, this album seems very ageless, even though it was made in '91. You listen to it, and it still offers relevant topics, um, excellent musicianship, and it's just a
1: uh, just a great listen. You know, it's a great CCM album. It is, and I think this. I think it should be, it should be mentioned too here that. This might be some of Wayne's finest writing at Winker Patrick. Mm, um, yeah. Satisfied just might be one of my favorite songs he's ever written. I just, again, he just nails that chorus. Um, maybe the tide will turn. Maybe a storm will rage inside you. Maybe you'll come to yes. learn that you're not satisfied. Maybe your heart will break. Maybe the world will fall around you. Maybe that's what it's going to take to see you're not satisfied. Or maybe you'll just keep running.
2: Hmm, yeah. And
1: boy, that's just... That is that's really good writing. So, Genius, yeah. Yeah, Wayne is he's bringing his A game on this album. Everybody brought their A game on this album, including Jim and 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 I. How much do you love um, on round and round that I can just see, um, I could just see the producer. You know, I can see Brown as the producer saying, "Okay, on this chorus, you're going to sing higher than you've ever sung in your life."
0: Right. And it's going to be yeah.
1: fantastic because it's going to be so gritty and yes. right on the edge of what you can sing that it's going to be amazing. Cause right. this is the only song in Kim Hill's and Kim Hill's entire catalog that I can think of where she's pushing her voice that high and right. with that much yeah. power. Right. And so, yeah, it's this adds so I've never heard her sing like this ever again.
0: Well, and then speaking of, so they it sounds like they kind of poke a little bit of fun at that at the very, very end of the album. Yes. They do that, that little hidden track where she's trying to hit that high note or something. Yeah. She's like, nailed it. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. or, yep. <laughs> or, Perfect. You know she's right. she's hitting all these great notes in these lower registers and then just trying to push and push and <laughs>
1: <Yep>. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Cause I I think like we mentioned, she's she has such a beautiful baritone uh women's voice. And then but up here on this high yeah, at the top of her range, there's so much power. I'm sure her voice was just trashed after this session. That okay, I can't, I can't even talk for a, a couple of days <laughs> because we just recorded this song. So, and speaking of round and round, Dave linked to both of us in a private chat last night uh, a great version of uh, round and round from Creation 1992 Fest where um, West Kings in the band. And some of the comments were interesting. And I do we want to talk about that for a second? Sure. Well, sure. I just thought a couple of the comments, I'll read them off here, and then maybe we can just talk for a second before we wrap up. Um, one of the, the top comment from seven years ago says, this new generation of Christian musicians have no music history. Well, that's why we started this podcast. So, um, <laughs> But he goes on to say, there are no heartfelt personal songs anymore. The 80s and 90s were truly a golden time of music. It was written by true musicians who were Christian. So, I don't know the current music well enough to know if there are no heartfelt personal songs anymore. Um, But, like we said, you know, on another podcast, you could be quirky. You could be weird. You could be strange. You could be wonderful. And it was all fine. So, I don't know about you guys. What do you think? I think yeah, that, I you know, think... we
2: talked about, go ahead, dude. Oh, I was going to say, I think that, let's talk about before, that um, there's still good stuff, good music now. Um, I wouldn't go out and say, no, there's not anything great. Right. Like there used to be, but, like we've said before also, this seems to be much more creative, period. And, uh, I would say, that it's hard to find music like this now. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. What about you, Dan?
0: Well, I think also there, I think if, though, if I went back in the time machine and put my girls back in the in the Christian radio days, where that a lot of Christian radio was being played, was again that very slow. Um, I mean, Satisfied, Satisfied's a great song. I think that's a good one, but it all centered around those kind of slower songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when they're commenting on that video, they're not only commenting, that, but Round and Round is just a great song. Right. You know, that wasn't getting much airplay. And I think, I don't know, I'm going to take a wild conjecture here, but, you know, when you, after your first three albums, when you have hits that are like Faithful and Psalm One mm. and mm-hmm. so on and so forth, you're thinking, oh, well, people want more of that. Where for me, I wanted more of the opposite.
1: Yeah, that's true. Whoa. Uh oh. You okay there, Dave? Yep. What okay. happened? <laughs> it's got Something interference happened. on the line. What? Oh okay. I can edit it out. Right. So right. No problem. Oh no problem. Okay. I'll edit it out. All right. The All other right. the other comment I want to bring up is, is is this one. That this one also from seven years ago on this YouTube video. It says Braveheart is incredible. This album is incredible. Wish this stuff could go on the radio now. Yes, I agree with that. Dave's often said, if I ran a CCM station, I would play XYZ. So, Dave, any of these yes. songs go on your fictional CCM stations? For Kim Hill? Yes. Um, yeah, Round and Round, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And
2: then the other one, I would, off the top of my head, I would say um, Satisfied yes. on occasion. Because yeah. that was such a big radio hit, and everybody knows it. Yeah. Um, And maybe if I had like a category at the end of just like... Fun songs that you know, I would think "Snakes in the Grass" might be in that category. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, so, yeah.
0: I, and I would throw on there, you know, words. Stop watching, listen. Yeah, it'll be great ads. Um, you know, very uh, honestly, Crossroads I think does a pretty good job.
1: Yeah, change
0: change your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I I like yes, I like going kind of recollecting some of those radio hits, but also wandering off into some of these that just didn't get quite played as much
1: right yeah right perfect well we will definitely want to investigate more of Brown sound later but I love the way that he helped Kim evolve as an artist and I I don't know that she would have I don't know that the record uh, Braveheart could have gotten made without the first two records and I certainly don't think all three could have been made without Brown and with Wayne too Wayne's kind of an executive producer on a lot of that stuff too so Wayne plays a big part as well
0: Well, thanks for joining us. That has been our little brown sound, Kim Hill, and we'll talk to you later. Yeah, goodbye. Have a good one.